Welcome to Disney Parks and Beyond, a Disney podcast about theme parks and all things Disney from the After Dark Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Disney Parks and Beyond. If you don't know me, my name is Nick and I'm joined on this episode by some old favourites, you might say. So firstly, we've got Mr. D. I'm pretty old. Very old. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't uh, that. Oh, sorry. Okay. That experienced favourite. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be nice. Uh, we've got P-dubs. Good evening. And we've got Craig as well. Oh, this is going to kill me, this. So thank you for uh, our previous listeners and th- welcome to our brand new listeners. And um, we've been doing Disney podcasts for a long old time, uh, eight years, just over eight years. And um, we're just refreshing the format a little bit. That's what we're doing with this show. And uh, as the name suggests, we're going to talk about the Disney parks and we're going to talk about Disney things that happen outside of the parks. And that really is all you need to worry about with this show however in tradition of shows on the after network we are going to ask what everybody's drinking and because i know he's had to make a special trip to get a drink mr d what are you drinking yeah i went all the way down to the wine cellar in the north wing and got myself a a, a can of cider there we go a can of stuff for press oh i can't even say my old joke like you said yes no no you can't p dubs what are you drinking uh, I've got a nice glass of apple and blackcurrant. Well, very posh. Bit of squash. Oh, can, can I say something about that? Can I literally say something about that? No. Because I know how your mind works, so no. Craig, what are you drinking? Ah, a nice refreshing bottle of Bex Blue. Jeez. I've been I've been drinking the Bex Blue actually. Alcoholic oh, stuff. Oh yeah. mate. The thing with it, right, it's got a funny little taste, but you drink it like it's beer. So the other day when Liverpool beat Tottenham, uh, I drank 10 bottles of it in 90 minutes. Yeah, I don't think that's how you're supposed to drink it, but there you go. Binge, uh, binge soft drinking. Yeah. Exactly. It'll catch um, on. Because it's the, uh, the first show, uh, the first episode, I thought I would go back to old times and uh, have some cherry Pepsi Max, a chin chin. You're such. You said you'd, you you cut the addiction. You clearly haven't. No, I had, and then about two weeks ago, I, I fell hard. So I this is I, I had to buy that for some guests that were coming around at the weekend. So I'm finishing that off. Why didn't you just off. buy them Pepsi? Sorry. Why didn't you just buy them Pepsi or because, Ginger Pepsi? Because I knew that they were... Well, number one, I think G- Ginger Pepsi's been discontinued. Uh, secondly, it's because I know that they drink Cherry Pepsi Max and that's all they buy. So that was the, the reasoning behind it. But this show is not sponsored by Cherry Pepsi Max, so uh, no more mentions of that brand on this episode. Back to it, another future episode, possibly. Um, however... We're going to start the show with the first segment, which is going to be a look at the news from the Disney parks. After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com. 
the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.hhnunofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. So, was there anything that uh, had caught anyone's eye? Did anyone want to go first? I've got a really good story, but I'm happy to sit on it. Go for your really good story, mate. Well, I think it's a really good story. I mean, maybe is it a it's really not. short story or is it a traditional Nick story? I've it's going changed. to be in four, four, um, four parts spread across three podcasts. I've never. I'm not changing who I am. So uh, on, I think it was Friday that I saw the video, but uh, Disney released a statement talking about the new Spider-Man animatronic, which is going to be coming to Disneyland's Avengers Campus. Did anyone happen to see the video? I did. Uh, Does anyone happen to not know what it is? No, I I know what it is, but I didn't see the video. Okay. I saw a news article on it come up. Yeah. So uh, I think it was 2018-ish, Disney revealed something they were working on called Stuntronics. And this was a kind of like next-gen animatronic where it could actually move properly um, and could do stunts. So it could... uh, I think they shot it out of a cannon or something. He went flying through the air and was doing somersaults and spins and flips and and all kinds of things but it was very much just like a crash test dummy that's what it looked like they've now released a video of a spider-man uh stuntronic which is going to be swinging around above the avengers campus area in disneyland now the video is shot in the dark so I'm assuming it's in some kind of facility that they've been filming this in. Um, So you can't really get an idea of how it might look in the real world because it is, you know, completely dark except for this figure. But, um, and P-dubs, you can can chime in. I think he looks really impressive. Yeah, I did as well. I'd I'd seen the same video back in 2018 of of him testing it. And it didn't even come to my mind that they'd be using it for, for Spider-Man, but when you see the, the video recently, it makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, the video is showing Spider-Man doing the things that Spider-Man does in the air. Like, he, he's doing, like, um, somersaults. He's spinning around. So what will be interesting is, I'm, I'm assuming it will be doing all this because it will be swinging around the campus so that's what interests me how are they going to make it look like he's actually swinging they've, they've come up with this amazing technology that makes it look like he is flying through the air but they've got to make it look like he's actually shooting webs as well yeah it's, it's definitely going to be intriguing that's for sure mm. and it's not that long until we find out no it's this summer isn't it mm-hmm. yeah no date announced but it is this summer when's the is that when the ride is due to open as well the spider-man ride I believe so, yeah. 
Okay. They're, so, they're way ahead in California with that ahead of ahead of Paris. Yes. Yeah. Well, they, they started a bit earlier, so you know it makes sense. But uh, yeah, no, I was I was very excited by it. Um, I'll, I'll share a link to the video in the Facebook group, and um, you know if you haven't seen it, go and have a look because it, it looks like it could be a really nice, fun addition to that that part of the park. Anyone else have any news I wanted to talk about? So it's good. Um, I noticed that uh, Smuggler's Run is as from the 19th affair. Not a surprise, but um, obviously not Rise of the Resistance, not yet. No. Well, that's going to change uh, your fast pass a little bit. Well, that, it's also adjusted the tiers. It has adjusted the tiers, so now Slinky yeah. Dog and... Um, Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower Terror are now all the same tier. So it has helped with that, mm-hmm. um, which is good because that was yeah. one of the, the big issues that me and P-Dubs found when we went last year, is that you, your choice of actually getting decent fast passes or for things that you wanted to go on were, were limited because of how they had tiered things. Yeah. So it's it's really good that they've, they've done this. Uh, I think this coincides with Smuggler's Run being open for six months. Yeah, sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was... Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't remember what day. I think it might have been a bit later in August. It was... Yeah, it was August 29th, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Which just happened to be my birthday. That's how I remember it. That's how you remembered it. (laughs) They just did it for my birthday. Um, But yeah, so, you you know, almost six months since it first opened. So... If that's what they're going to do with Rise of the Resistance, then that means that we should be looking, you know, summer, you know, June, July time for that to go to Fast Pass if that's what they decide to do. I mean, I think it will have to be Fast Pass at some point, but um, that mm. would be my guess based on, on how they've done this one. So, but I think it's good. I think it's. Um, I think they needed to do it and I think it's good yeah. that they've done it. Um, and it will take, I suppose it might take some of the burden off of Rise of the Resistance just a little. Yeah. You know, if you want to go on a Star Wars attraction, then you're going to probably be able to get Fast Pass for one. If you can't, you know, if you can't get the building group. So hopefully it will take that away a little bit and just disperse the crowds a little bit more as well. Um, yeah. but of course it's not going to be long until you know the studio gets another attraction is it that's right beginning of March is it sorry 4th of March is the is mm-hmm. the opening day um, and uh, they've released an, another video about that the um, the operating team or the opening team are uh, getting ready and the video kind of shows a few of the things they're doing for that so that is getting ever and ever closer to uh, to opening, mm-hmm. and it's needed because studios is very lacking. I think, really, in decent things to do. Yeah, yeah, certainly needs a, a few new things, doesn't it? Yeah. Now we're we still a little bit on on the fence about the. The style of the ride, or have we kind of embraced it now that it is what it is, and there's nothing we can do about it. 
I've got no problem with the ride itself. It's just where they put it is the only problem yeah. I have. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it sounds good. Um, still think you know there should be a movie attraction somewhere, as we talked about before. But um, I think the shorts are good. Like you, I like the shorts. I think they're I think they're pretty clever. So uh, yeah, should be a good ride. I wonder what they're going to do because I'll be I'll be shocked if there's no Easter eggs in that attraction for the great movie ride. So I wonder what they're actually going to put in it to reference it. Ooh. But these these new shorts of which this is based on are quite meta, aren't they? You know, I think one of the, the really clever things about these shorts is the way that they have put things in from other parts of Disney. So in the, I think it was the first episode when they're in Paris, they went through Sleeping Beauty's castle in Disneyland and you saw um, Aurora. Um, in other episodes, you've seen other Disney princesses. You've yeah. seen um, the Yeti from... Uh, Expedi- oh, it wasn't Expedition Everest, was it? It was the Yeti from... The Matterhorn. Matterhorn, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they've done little things like that. So like little references that will go over the heads of most kids, but adults watching will, will kind of get. So because they've done things like that, I would expect there to be a fair bit of humour in this ride, but also some nods to its previous attraction. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited for it. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it. You know, I... You know, I, I agree with P-Dubs, the worst thing is, is is what it replaced because, you know, I did really have a soft spot for that attraction. But, um, you know, nothing lasts forever. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. At least the technology is going to be similar. So the ride itself yeah. won't be too different. But, uh, yeah. Mm. So that's all I had. Did anyone else have any news from Inside the Parks? I have one little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, after the fire that affected it in late 2019, Big Top Souvenirs is once again closed, um, this time due to a flood. Blimey, someone really <laughs> doesn't like those shop, do they? Mm. Yep. Um, just reading an article that said apparently when they uh, inquired about what had happened, uh, Dumbo has had a pool party that went a bit wrong, apparently. <laughs> Dumbo so, uh, is a pool party. Dumbo, yeah. So they've uh, they've had to close again, and they're not sure when it's going to reopen. Mm. Well, if it was anywhere else in the world, you'd say insurance job, right? You know, being yeah. set on fire, being flooded, someone just wants to pull that thing down to turn it into something else. Play good locusts, sure. anybody? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not what Disney are playing at here, but... Huh. It's it's very unlucky that it's gone through two quite um, awful events in such a short space of time. Yeah, yeah, and it's a really good shop as well. That's the the thing I, I quite like it in there. Is that the is that the shop that they used to have? Um, that was like the country fair. Yes. It, yeah, it's a big. It's like a tent and it's like a marquee. Yeah. 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 yeah I used to like that shop. Mm-hmm. I've not been in there since, well, I've not been to New Fantasyland since that got redone. So that's how I remember it. But um, yeah, that was a fun little shop. I remember it used to be um, one of the shops that, you know, really focus on plushes and stuff like that. But it was, there was just something 
I think because it didn't look like other shops, it stood out. Mm. You know, so that's a shame. Well, hopefully, um, it's going to reopen because uh, more unique shops are, I think, what's needed. So, yeah, let's let's hope it's a short term thing. Well, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about, which wasn't which wasn't parks; it was movies. Do you want to save that for later, or? Yeah, well, you know, if that's it for the park, because I'll be honest, like I think the the park news has been a little bit thin on the ground. Um, yeah, there's a lot of excitement before Christmas and a few bits at the beginning of the year, but it's it's slowed down a little bit. So, no, I'm I'm quite happy to leave the park news there, and then we okay. can move straight over and look at things beyond the park. Let's get down to business to start planning that Disney trip. I'm Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel here, proud sponsor of the Disney Parks and Beyond podcast. I specialize in all things Disney, Universal, and all major cruise lines. Disney cruises are spectacular, but you've got to book early to get the best pricing and stateroom selection. I offer generous onboard credits and take care of all your planning. Interested in Disney World, Disneyland, or Disneyland Paris? I can help with every bit of the planning process, including dining and fast passes. Find me on the Twitters at WP Magic Journeys or email me at Wendy Prater at MagicalJourneysTravel.com. I make the plans, you make the memories. Okay. So the thing I had beyond the part movie, movie uh, news was... Just wondered what you thought about the news that they're going to uh, reboot uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing rumours every week at this point about what they are looking to reboot. So I, I, I can't remember if I've heard this rumour or not because I'm just so confused at the moment. So let's, let's talk about this, right? Mm-hmm. So you brought up Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. They've recently announced they're going to reboot Home Alone. Yeah. That's obviously for Disney Plus. And they are, I keep hearing rumors that Zach Efron is going to replace Johnny Depp as uh, Jack Sparrow in a Pirates reboot as well. Mm, so, it, it does. Not as Jack Sparrow or as Jack a Sparrow? Character? No, as, as Jack Sparrow. So, mm. I think the. You know, details are thin on the ground because it's, you know, it's rumours. It's not been formally announced or anything. But um, it was believed to be a complete reboot of the Pirates franchise with Zac Efron basically playing a younger Captain Jack Sparrow. So maybe more of like an origin story or something. I'm not I'm not 100% sure. Um, Mm-hmm. I think all the stuff around Johnny Depp was getting a bit too much for them, even though, um, as we recall this, there's just been um, audio recordings that have been released where uh, the the whole abuse case that was kind of brought against him looks like it's been turned on its head. So, um, but I think it was just a bit too complex with Disney, and so they decided to kind of press ahead without him. Um, but I've not. I don't think I've heard about the Honey, I Shrunk the, the Kids one. I know I've heard, you know, mumblings in the past mm-hmm. of another one, but have yeah. they have they announced any kind of insight about it at all? Um, well, Josh Gad is rumoured to be in discussions. Um, set 
you know, 30 years after the original one. So he is, uh, you remember the Wayne Zielinski's son, Nick? This is him growing up and he's now a scientist. And a, you know and what? He, you know? Now you've now you've mentioned Josh Josh Gad, I mm-hmm. do remember hearing about this. Yeah. So yes, I do. I've heard the same things and him basically being the grown up son from the first yeah. uh, couple of films. Oh, it's mm-hmm. just lazy, isn't it? Um, it's a lack of imagination. It's just content for Disney Plus. That's what they're scrabbling around for. The pro- the problem is, and we've we've obviously talked about this on, on previous podcasts before, is that when Disney come up with a new idea or they try and start something new, quite often it doesn't work. And I'm already well, hearing that- uh is it we were talking about it the other week, is it Artemis Fowl? Yeah. Yeah what it's called. So yep. I've I've actually <clears throat> heard rumours that might be going to Disney Plus. Mm. Now, that was originally supposed to be released last October. They swapped it out with uh, Maleficent 2, Electric Boogaloo, and it's now scheduled to come out, uh, I think May is when its release date is now. But there's been a distinct lack of anything since the first trailer came out last year. There's not been really any kind of posters for it other than teaser posters. There's been no trailers, um, you know, anytime recently. They could have stuck one with Star Wars. They didn't. Um, it just seems like it's been completely forgotten at this point. And so and I, I think the rumours are unfounded, but people suggesting that they might just decide to pull it from release and just release it straight to Disney+, Plus, which would be crazy because... It was a film with quite a big budget, but and I know that's not an original idea because that was based on books. But it's a, it's similar to A Wrinkle in Time. Mm. You know that was another big budget film which completely flopped. Disney really seemed to struggle with, you know, making new original films, live action ones at least. You know, obviously the animation ones are different, but. Um, they just can't seem to find a formula that works. They can't seem to come up with an idea that works. So I, I'm with you, Craig. It does lack imagination, but I think they've, they've got big problems when it comes to actually coming up with things that aren't based on IPs, um, whether that's theme park attractions or, or other, you know, books or whatever. Um, and they just look to the past at what was successful. And and honey, I shot the kids. Is you know, I remember really liking that film as a kid. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty big movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, yeah, I'm, but hasn't it just been done with um, Ant Man? Mm-hmm. Doesn't um, Matt well, shrink himself down and become little people? Yeah, but then there's nah. lots of films where that ha- that kind of scenario happens. But I mean. Downsizing is nothing like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. No, no, it's a bit different. Yeah, the, the only difference is he shrunk. But it's been, yeah. you know, you could say, well, isn't Honey, I Shrunk the Kids just a rip-off of the borrowers in that case? Um, you know, the idea of being shrunk down to a small size isn't new, but Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was an original idea. Um, you know, it, it spawned, what, three films, I think? 
Yeah, I think two, so. There were two cinema two releases. Two strong ones. Uh, yeah, there was, was at least one blew up one, wasn't there? Yes. Mm. Yeah, I think that one went to direct to video. But yeah, and then there was a TV series. And of course, mm. you know, it was a long running attraction. Yeah. In the in the parks. Um you know, it, it ran for quite a while after Captain EO was replaced. It did. So, you know, it's it, it's a beloved franchise and it's probably been away for long enough that you know it could be brought back, and a lot of the pe- a lot of the kids you know wouldn't even remember you know too young for the original version. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the difference with this kind of reboot, as opposed to like what they're trying to do with Home Alone, is that it's almost like a soft reboot. It's not, it's almost like a sequel, really, isn't it? Yeah, because it's yeah. based on those characters that have now obviously grown up over the, the time period from the first film. So it's episode four. Honey I shrunk the kids episode four. Yeah. A new a new shrink. Um yeah. sorry, you know, that's actually one of the ones that I wouldn't mind seeing. But yes, Craig, there is definitely a problem at the moment with the amount of or the lack of originality with their their film slate. Netflix seem to be doing all right and Amazon? No, no, they're not. Netflix aren't it's, doing all right. Aren't they? No. They own. They, they're like a billion or something stupid, like five billion dollars in the hole, or something. Like they, they just spend, 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 and they're losing money hand over fist, trying to keep up with everyone else. Streaming's a very tough gig because if you don't make new content, people aren't going to subscribe to your services. But people also aren't spend, you know, they're not able to retain enough customers or, or, or grow in order to make it work. I stand corrected, Nicholas. <laughs> it, well, no, you're not. Well, you, you are in that point, but your original point still stands. Disney However, do need to sort it out. I'm talking on my new rig. That's yeah. amazing. It, it, it's completely filtered out your Scouser accent. You, <laughs> Hasn't you, it? You, you sound like somebody from Hampshire. Thank you. <laughs> do do do, don't he do. God, maybe this would happen. Hmm. P-Dubs, do you have any um, thoughts behind this particular reboot or just reboots in general? Just really, I, I I agree with Craig in the fact that they are scrambling to, to fill their schedule up on Disney+. Plus. Um, I think they probably have seen some people drop off now with The Mandalorian oh, done. and That's a definite like thing, definitely. Yeah. And I think they've got to look at it and go, what can we do that's going to be a, an easy fix, a quick fix to get people to come back again? Do you need some sort of soap opera? Not a, a series of ten parts or whatever. Do you need a continued? Isn't it just? Uh, isn't it just content? I mean, you know, if you've got a service like Disney Plus, you, you have to be churning on that content, and so you know, it's as good an idea as any. And reboot an old successful movie that. Is probably right for a new generation. Why not? 
you know what I think the biggest problem with Disney Plus has been is that it was so top loaded. Like if you look at that first week that it was online, they released Lady and the Tramp, they released uh, Noel, they released The Mandalorian, Jeff Goldblum, Imagineering Story. You would have thought of that too, though. High School Musical. No, they didn't. That's that's the thing, right? When when Netflix first started, when they first launched Netflix, and we got it in the UK a fair bit after America got Netflix, there was no original content on Netflix at all. Netflix no, was just old films, new films, new series, old series, and that was it. There was no exclusive content to Netflix. And I remember that big hullabaloo when they announced Orange is the New Black. And well, House of Cards was the first. That was their big baby. I think I thought Orange was in the, in the Orange was the New Black. Orange is the New Black. No. But regardless, like they they would have that was the first kind of original programming, and now every month Netflix has a new series or a new film. You know, some months you know multiples. Um, I mean, look at the Irishman. The Irishman cost them one hundred and fifty million ish. To make. Well, didn't you go to pictures the other day to see something? Well, yeah, I go to pictures to see something quite often. No, it's something that's on Netflix as well. Oh, no, I saw... Um, With Adam watched, Sandler in. Yeah, I watched Uncut Gems, but in the UK it got a very, very limited release because it was a Netflix release. So I didn't get to see it at the cinema. I, I had to wait to see it on Netflix because I couldn't see it locally. Um and I mean, and the Irishman was the same. You know, the Irishman got a limited release, I think, two weeks before it hit Netflix. But those those didn't make, neither of those films, at least in the UK, didn't make much money. So... Look, I remember the original, no, no, sorry, the new trilogy, the old new trilogy of Star Wars, episode one, two, and three. Back then, George Lucas was talking about a Star Wars release going out to the pictures, but also on the same day being able to stream. And the the hardware and the technology wasn't there then. But Disney should have been brave with Lady and the Tramp. And that should have been released over here on cinema, limited release, whatever. Because if you're trying to watch Lady and the Tramp legally, you're not getting it till March the 24th. Well, I didn't understand that decision at all. Because do you remember when they had that Olaf short, that Christmas special thing they did? I think it was called Olaf's Great Adventure or whatever. In America, that was shown on TV. That was shown on on ABC as a Christmas special. In the UK, we weren't getting it on TV. So you could either buy a DVD copy of it at Asda, I think, or one of the supermarkets. um, Or they re-released Frozen for a week with that special stuck at the front of it. Yeah. So you wanted to see you had to go to cinema and see it. And I couldn't work out why Lady of the Tramp wasn't given a cinema release everywhere else where Disney Plus hadn't launched. Because like you say, it's it's been out for by the time it comes to the UK release, you know, six months after it first aired on Disney Plus in America. So anyone that was desperate to see it has already found a way of seeing it legally or illegally. 
Um, so it was it was a silly decision. But what I'm saying is, is this, you know, if with Disney Plus they release a new film every month, they could have done that. I think they've released four films on Disney Plus since it launched. But two of those were in the, the same week, the first week it launched. But the problem is, is that all the original programming they had has now run out. Are they giving away the, the channels like we get now on Disney Plus, the Disney Life? No. So the channel, we're losing the channels. Even that would I keep don't, people... I don't know. I don't know if we are getting that still. That When I looked on the Q&A thing on the website the other day, it didn't mention the live channels that I could see. So I don't know. But you've got it, haven't you? I've got Disney Life, yeah. And the channels aren't on there. No, Disney, no you've got, got Disney Plus. No, Disney. No, we've got Disney Life. We're getting Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. No, we are. Oh. Disney Disney Plus, the the US version doesn't have live channels. Right. I couldn't find them. But Disney Life in the UK did have the live channels included. But yeah. I'm not sure if we're going to keep those when we switch to Disney Plus or not. Oh, I, I, they'll be gone, I would imagine. But them on their own for a five or a month, they pay for themselves. They do and they don't. I mean... They do when you've got two girls like me who watches them constantly on their iPads or whatever. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, my, my kids will, will only watch a few things on the Disney channels. So unless you know what time they're on, having the live channels doesn't mean anything anyway, really. Going back to the original thing, uh, doing these reboots or whatever you want to call them, is just the, the last Home Alone films were trapped. Trap. That's when you swear word. You were yeah. trapped, right? And um, I quite like the Johnny Depp prequel idea with um, the other fella because that could work. Because that that's not really a reboot, is it? Did 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 you get what I mean? You mean Macaulay Culkin? No, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, sorry. Um, Zach Efron. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily a reboot. That's just going back and telling his story when he was a young man. Well, I mean, if that's what they're doing, as I said, they haven't actually confirmed whether or not it's going to be an origin story or, or not. Um, it could just be a straight-up sequel, but it would make it wouldn't make sense to have someone younger playing him all of a sudden. Um, but there's, there's certainly a future out there where Disney puts no no, no movies out in the cinemas. Um. I mean, I mean, there's a possibility in the future, but I mean that future is still a good decade away, at least. I think they'll always release their films at cinema because Disney, like any company, they want to be seen as dominating, and you know they have obviously dominated recently the, the box office globally. And, you know, they've got the... Now, because they bought Fox, they've got the, the top three biggest films of all time. Um, top five, possibly, actually. Um, but they're not going to want to get rid of that. They're not going to want to give all that cinema space up. Because that's what it's about. It's about dominance. I mean, people's biggest complaint is that Disney released far too many films at the cinema. 
Um, and it doesn't give a chance for other films to, you know, get the, 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 the same opportunities to be seen by people. They kind of get lost in the shuffle. So I, I think all their rivals would love Disney to stop putting their films out of the cinema, which is exactly why they won't do it. But what I think they should do is start maybe doing same date, same day and date releases. So you can see certain films at the cinema or on Disney Plus. Um, and also shrink that window, which they've already started to do because things like Aladdin are on Disney Plus. And you know with Disney Life, Craig, that you would normally have to wait about two years, wouldn't you, for a film oh, yeah. that had been at the cinema? As wonderful as Disney Life is, it's still very out of date. Mm. It's not and, current at all. No, and that's and that's one of the reasons why it's been delayed, to stop those kind of things, so that when they do launch it in the UK, they are able to put some of the newer films on they weren't able to do under the old contracts they had with, with Sky. So I, I looked the other day, actually, and if you look at the films that Sky have got at the moment, like um, Mary Poppins and uh, Avengers Endgame, their expiry dates are the end of this year. So I don't know if Disney Plus is going to have those on before that, or if they have to wait until like December for them to be off of Sky so they can have them on Disney Plus. But what I'm saying is that there's a shift in how um, we're able to see Disney films in this country on TV because of Disney Plus. But speaking of Disney Plus, and not just reboots, uh, Mr. P-Dubs, I wanted to ask you about the Super Bowl advert that they had on, well, as we recalled this yesterday. Yeah, so it was it was already rumoured that we were getting something. We, we knew there was a, a Black Widow teaser coming last night as well, but it was what was included in the Marvel Disney Plus big game trailer or teaser, depending on what you want to call it. Um, we got our first glimpses of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, Sam's new position as kind of Captain America, but not quite. Um, it was shown him using the shield for the first time, uh, which was a great way to start the trailer, in fact. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody was kind of expecting that. And we see some glimpses of some of the other characters. Um, the return of Baron Zemo yep. was in there. Um, and the introduction of US Agent, who will begin the series as the new Captain America, from from what that trailer has shown. Yeah. Um, then we got the very weird WandaVision. That <laughs> is... I've got no idea where that's going at all. No, it is, it is very, very weird. Really, really yeah. weird. Um, it It's... It, some of it looks like a, a 1950s sitcom. Yep. Doesn't it? Then some of it looked like a 1980s soap. Yep. Um, there is a quick, quick glimpse. I, I'm not sure how many people will pick up on it, but we do see the introduction of their children is in there. I didn't uh, see that. I can tell you what my favourite one was. And that was the comic accurate Scarlet Witch. 
costume. Yes. Which I believe is going to be a Halloween costume. Well, I my, that was my guess as well. <laughs> yeah. But no, there, there's a scene of the two of them standing, and if you look at the bottom of the screen, there are two cribs sitting in front of them, and as the shot pans away, two pacifiers are thrown from the crib at Wonder and Vision. Right. Okay. Which is a big big thing from the from the comics. It'll be it'll be Wiccan and Speed are the two two kids from the comics. Right. Um, which are apparently being introduced to be part of the Young Avengers somewhere down down the line. Mm-hmm. Um so that was quite cool. And then the very unexpected ending to the teaser uh, of Loki. Well, I'll tell you why I thought it was unexpected, because has it only been filming for like two weeks? It hasn't, hadn't even been filming as far as anybody was aware. He posted a video last week of him in training. Okay. <laughs> that was it. They hadn't even officially announced that they were filming, other than they were in pre-production. Maybe because I did actually. Now you said that. Yes, I I heard it was going into production. Um, that didn't necessarily mean it was filming. Um, so I wonder if they just filmed that a few months ago. I I wouldn't else. be surprised if that was that was filmed early in pre-production. Mm. Just to be able to add that little tease at the end. Yeah, but I was I was quite impressed with that. Um, what I thought was interesting with that advert, though, was that there was no uh, release dates for any of that stuff. No. I'm led to believe that WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier will be end of this year. I think WandaVision has finished, and I think Falcon and Winter Soldier has as well. I think they're all filmed now. They, I know that they... Yeah, they, they got delayed on Falcon and Winter Soldier because of um, some storms where they not storms, but floods where they yeah. were filming. Um, which has nothing to do with the uh, the big tent shop at Disney World, by the way, <laughs> before anyone gets any ideas. Um, but yeah, I know, I know that it delayed some of the, the, the last filming that they were doing for that series, but yeah. I believe that's now been completed. So yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, I thought, yeah. as a teaser, I thought it looked great. Yeah. Not giving much away, just giving you a little glimpse of of what's coming. And I thought it was a, a really nice, just a, a quick, as you said, $5.6 million mm-hmm. <laughs> um, worth of teaser. So yeah. looking yeah. forward to, to what they're, they're going to give us. As I said, WandaVision, I just have no idea where that's going. I mean, I'll be I'll be watching it as soon as it drops because I'm just fascinated with what it's actually going to be. Yeah, but I really don't know what to expect. And there's rumours of a Doctor Strange cameo somewhere along the line as well. Okay, cool. Be happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the other thing though, and I mean, obviously we we've had one original series in the Mandalorian, so we know that they're gonna, you know, really go all out on this stuff, but especially i mean one division's very hard to say this about because it's it's very kooky um but with the the falcon and winter soldier it looked like a marvel film yeah yeah it didn't look yeah, like definitely. shield it looked like a a fully fledged this is marvel money we're spending on this type of thing yeah which is what they need to do mm. 
they've got, they've got to prove now that this is part of the MCU. Whereas the the other stuff, they've kind of gone, oh, do you know what? It probably isn't now. It doesn't look like it. But with this, they they have to prove it. Yeah. That they're willing to back it up. And from what we saw in that season, they they really are. And I mean, you know what? I I think that's what's going to happen eventually. Because you know, and obviously we're probably the bigger Marvel slash comic book fans on here, but we all like Marvel films. But there is going to be a point when, you know, they're going to fall out of fashion. Yeah. It happens. It happens all the time with films. You know, like it used to be spaghetti westerns. You know, cowboy films were the big draw. And then they, like, were out of favour. And so... You know, it's it's the latest in that line of, you know, things that are really popular and everyone tries to get involved in. But comic book films eventually will, you know, drop. They'll start to not be making billions of dollars anymore, um, except for maybe a handful. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. Is and I mean, I imagine the budget for something like Falcon and Winter Soldier is probably not that dissimilar to a film anyway. No, you're just cutting you, it up you into chunks. So. Yeah, exactly. This uh, just from from that teaser, the amount of special effects and that seeing Sam flying again as Falcon and and things like that. They're not they're not cheaping out on the special effects. No, no. So no, I think you know. Although we said what we've said about the films and, and stuff like that, I think that there's a lot to be uh, to be said about the the quality that they are going to be putting out on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um and they need to but they need to just space it out a bit better. Yeah. I mean regardless of the new content the new content is going to keep you but you know you're really buying Disney Plus for the back catalog. Yeah. That's that's the big draw really. The, the new content is icing on the cake. Yeah. And there uh, are going to be people that just dip in for that new content. Yeah. I know I've got friends have said that, oh, I'll, I'll get it for, say, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then once that's done, give it off for a couple of months until the next one comes along. Yeah. But then there's people like us, and and a lot of the general public will, will keep it to watch some of the other stuff that's already on there. Well, I mean, both myself and Craig, and I think you as well, actually, didn't you have, like, Disney Life? Yeah, still have. And we've had no new content on that. No. Ever since it launched. It's always been that catalogue plus, you know, then their recently released films when they're allowed to be shown on there. So, like, the newest thing that I think is on there now is Moana. You know? But we still pay our five nine nine a month, and I don't personally think at that price point it's it's much to spend for what you what you get access to. No, and the fact they're only charging a quid more for for Disney Plus mm. with the new content added, I I still don't think it's a bad price. No. What I think they might have to do in the future, and this will obviously annoy people, but is possibly look at limiting the amount of access you get to it yeah 
because at the moment, you know, one person's uh, Disney Plus account can be used by, uh, is it like 10 people at a time or something, something like that? 10 devices at well, a time? I, my, obviously my entire family has got my Disney um, login. And what tends to happen is so many can watch it once and it logs everybody else out. So it becomes a pain in the backside to yep. have so many people on it. Now, Apple do it quite well with theirs. Um, you just link your family email addresses to it and you're limited to six. And that's that, you know, so it's easily solved. But it, it's a real nightmare with the uh, with Disney Plus and the multiple logins sometimes daily if lots of kids are watching it at once yeah. i mean just in our house we've got four apple tvs with it on then every ipad's got it on so there's eight then most of the phones have got it on so there's 12. that's just in one house yeah but i think that's the that's the biggest limitation for it at the moment it's just the amount of people that can use it once does mean that not everybody needs to pay for a subscription. So maybe that's something they need to address in the future. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not an issue. Maybe that encourages people to to stick with it because other people are because it's being shared with other people. But I don't know. That's that's the only thing that I think they might need to be cautious about, especially if they start seeing a decline in. Uh, users and if it is just people watching the new content and that's it we've talked a lot about Disney Plus was there any other news that anyone had from outside the parks I've got a little bit more um, kind of sticking with the, the streaming side of things um, Two senior executives have, have left the company in the last couple of weeks. Uh, first of all, the CEO of Hulu has has left the company. Um, mm -hmm. Randy Freer, he's he's moved on, and uh, the president of 20th Century Studios has also moved on. Um, this was mainly due to the fact that their roles were going to be reduced. Um, What's his name? Richard Locker. Yeah. Wow. Basically, they were they were having to report to Alan Horn rather than reporting directly into Bob Iger, so therefore they weren't really running their divisions. Right. Um, so they basically just went, "No, we're we're going to move on." I suppose it's inevitable when you start consolidating all these things. You don't need so many people running them, do you? No, you really don't, and. It, you can see why. And Disney always said this was going to happen. Right from the word go, they said, we're going to have to reduce the work workforce because we don't need everybody. On top of that as well, you know, those people are probably on at least a million dollars a year, I'd imagine. I would have thought so. Or, you know, certainly that kind of figure. Maybe not quite a million, but, I mean, running those divisions... They're not small. They're, they're going to be jobs that have a high wage involved with it as well. Yeah. 
And obviously, I think for for the guy from Hulu, that that was always going to be a struggle because he's fighting Disney Plus for content. So he was always going to struggle to be able to do his job. Well, on top of that as well, you know, Hulu... I, I, I keep hearing rumours that Hulu might launch in the UK in some capacity as part of Disney Plus. Um, but in, in America, with your Disney Plus, you can, you know, add Hulu onto it and ESPN as well, can't you? Yeah. So, you know, for a lot of people, if you are paying for Hulu and paying for Disney Plus, or you can buy them together as a bundle for a lower price, you're just going to do that. So I think a lot of the Hulu content... I mean, Hulu do have original content, but they don't have anywhere near as much as, like, a Netflix. So I, I see that just probably being a bit more shared, than, if anything, going forward. And it must be difficult, because Disney have been pulling shows left, right and centre from Hulu over the last year since they took it. The, the most recent one I know, men you talked about it the other day, Nick, was, was Kevin Smith's Howard the Duck show. It was meant oh. to be going on to Hulu, and that's been that's been canned now. Yeah, Kevin Smith can't catch a break, can he? When it comes to stuff like that, <laughs> he's had a fair few products uh, projects that he's been working on just get the rug pulled out from underneath him. But How the Duck, he thought, was one that was probably going to make it. So it's a shame because I have a soft spot for the character of How the Duck, not necessarily the film, but certainly the character. So um, it's a shame. I mean, maybe it'll be resurrected with someone else. You know, we don't know the reasons for them pulling it, do we? No, it just it's it's carried on the trend that that's happened with these Marvel shows. Obviously, there was meant to be a Ghost Rider show that was pulled. Um, Cloak and Dagger was cancelled after two seasons. Um, just not having a lot, of, a lot of luck with with the Marvel shows going to Hulu. We know no. they've got. Uh, a couple of the animated series are still going ahead because they're already in production, so they didn't didn't pull the pl- uh, the plug on those ones. Um, and there's one other live action series that they've got that was meant to be kind of a companion piece to Ghost Rider, um, but they won't last more than a season, and then they'll be gone as well. Mm. So it don't just seems to be a yeah, it just seems to be a, a corporate thing that Marvel don't really want anything on Hulu at the moment. Well, and I and I kind of get that because again, I suppose they're making Disney Plus be the the one stop shop for Marvel. Yeah. So I get it. I get it. As annoying as uh, as it is, uh, but that's that's all I had for news myself. Um, was that it from everyone else? I have one yeah. more bit that I'm surprised you haven't picked up on, Nick. Go on. And that's the Hamilton movie. Jesus Christ, how did I forget that? You know, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I forgot that. Because I can't believe that it's coming out via Disney. <laughs> and that was, the, that was the thing. And obviously he is working fairly closely with Disney at the moment um, on a lot of projects. Uh, Mary Poppins Returns, he, was, he wrote some stuff for Moana. He's writing new songs for Little Mermaid. Yeah. Um, so when you think about it, it shouldn't be that big a surprise that that's that's who he's signed up with. But no, it's true. So my understanding on this, because I've not, I mean, this story broke today, so I've seen the announcement, but I haven't actually read a, a full article. But 
my understanding is that when uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda was um, leaving uh, Hamilton, they filmed the last few performances. Yeah. They had cameras set up in the um, in the theatre to be able to capture it. And so they're kind of doing a, a thing similar to what we get. Well, I, I believe they do in, in the US as well, but, you know, we get a lot of theatre that's broadcast to cinemas now. Yeah. Like live. This obviously is not going to be live. This was, this was filmed a couple of years ago now. Um, but we're going to see a full production of, of Hamilton as it was originally presented in the theatre. Um, yeah. I know that oh. when Hamilton became this big hit, they talked for quite a while about it becoming a, a film because they always do with popular musicals. But he had said at the time that I, I think there was something written into the, the contract that they couldn't make they couldn't turn it into a film until so much time had elapsed from its first performance, which is possibly why it's not being released for another year. Yeah. Bearing in mind, it's already been filmed. Like this is the, this is the thing, you know, they don't have to film anything. It's already filmed. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they've probably already edited it. So um, I, I'm assuming that it's, that's the time scale that they they can't actually release it but um i think it's october 21st 2020 october 15th october 15th 2021 yeah so that is when hamilton will be at cinemas yeah it cost disney 75 million dollars they'll make it back they'll make it back i mean that that show is so hard to get tickets for Still, Hardy is desperate to see you. Yeah, and she come running downstairs today to tell us about that news, and she's absolutely buzzing. Yeah, I as soon as I saw it, I turned around to Lindsay and said, um, Don't worry about trying to get me tickets for Hamilton anymore, it's coming to the cinema next year. <laughs> don't you said, think that's dangerous? Don't you think there'll be a bit of a drop off? What from the theatre? Yeah, of course, if you can just go watch the, the theatre production on telly. But that's exactly why they've not been able to show it before next year. For that but reason, it, for that fear. It's but... not showing any signs of slowing down, is it? No. On on the theatre, it's oh, so popular. Our yeah. Eve is desperate. We can't get tickets. And the tickets that they're selling are hundreds of pounds. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, you, you cannot buy it tickets for Hamilton and if you are you're going to be paying top dollar for them um, and that's the UK as well as the US and I mean what in fact Craig what you often find is the opposite so I remember when the film of Les Miserables came out the um, they actually had to keep extending the run at the theatre because more and more people wanted to go and see it so I think if anything you know, watching a production at the cinema is great, but you you want to go and experience it yourself. So, if anything, that's probably going to make it even more popular than it already is. Maybe, maybe. But regardless, they're not going to lose money on it. It's it's already you know it's made its money at the at the box office. And it's going to run for many years to come. So, yeah. Speaking of which, just a quick one before we wrap this up, you obviously took 
Eve to go and see, and your family to go and see uh, Harry Potter and the and the Cursed Child, parts one and two. Um, just a very quick summary. It was absolutely uh, the best bit of theatre I've ever seen. I told you it would be, didn't I? Told you it would be. I don't want to give the, a lot of theatre stuff is spoiler, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to say anything, but the special effects in it were absolutely phenomenal. Um, mm. There's actual magic going on, on it worked into it. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to give any specifics. It was very well done with the two parts. Um, you give us a lovely looking pizza place to go to for our tea, which we walked there after part one. Thoroughly buzzing, talking about it. Got there and Eve went, oh, I had pizza last night and I'm having pizza tomorrow. I don't like feel like pizza tonight. So you know what Leicester Square is like on a Saturday, on a yeah, on a Saturday. It was round. Everywhere was round. So we didn't end up eating. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So we went back in for part two. You get the same seats back. Um and that was just as enthralling as part one. Uh, I I read the the book, which isn't a book. It's just the um, the manuscript. The manuscript, yeah. And the manuscript does what a cash grab that is. It's an absolute disgrace that they're allowed to sell that book because it's just pathetic. It it painted it out to be rubbish, absolute tripe. When you see it on the stage, it was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I know Cat and Lewis are going to see it when they come over. You'll be able to reserve them a seat in the pizza place, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, I'll make sure they go to I'll make sure they go to Mud. They won't let you down. You can have each pizza. Right, so yesterday I was lucky enough to sit down with Michelle, an old friend of the show from the Disney Dream Girls, and she came on the show to talk to me about her recent trip over the Christmas holiday season at Disneyland in California, a park I am desperate to go for, but have not yet been able to go to. So please enjoy this interview with Michelle, and we'll come back to you at the end of the show just to wrap up. I'm really excited to um, reveal our first guest on Disney Parts and Beyond, and it is somebody that I've known, well actually we we pretty much started podcasting at almost the exact same time. Um, so you guys probably know her already, but I'm joined by Michelle Young. Hello, my lovely. And what an honour to be the first guest on the new show. Well, we did have someone else and oh. who wanted to, <laughs> no, 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 who wanted to, to come on at a similar time. They will be on the next episode because I said, well, I'd already reached out to Michelle and uh, I think it'd be fitting that you are the first guest on here because I don't I can't remember when we first started podcasting who appeared on whose show first and it really doesn't matter but you know because of our history I thought it'd be quite um quite fun to go back to almost where it started and you know I said we started podcasting at the same time we were <clears throat> involved in a in a competition to become a co-host of another podcast which appears has now ceased actually um and it led us to not winning that led us to start our own podcasts yeah and, and that's via kimmy goodwin isn't it yes yes indeed oh i've not spoken to kimmy in ages 
know. Well, she was the one who started the Mini Minxes, and Mm. I got embroiled in that when she was talking Snow White, because Snow White is my princess. Oh, I don't think I've ever really had a princess, actually. I know know people do kind of favour, and I've obviously witnessed this through parent eyes with my daughter, but um, because she's still quite young, I can't even say she has a princess, because it might be um Rapunzel one one month and then the next month it could be like Anna sorry Anna um or someone <laughs> I, I always get correct on that by my wife so I've got to I've got to get into the habit but um yeah so I think but but you know I, I think a lot of people you know kind of go after the first princess they were introduced to or one that they might have watched the film of you know more times than they can remember so was that the case with you and Snow White or was there a different reason for that? It was just basically the first film I ever saw at mm. the cinema ever. My aunt took me to see it and I remember having to be taken out halfway through because I got really, really scared with mm. all the old hag and it's just resonated with me through time. But isn't it interesting that I've had this love of Snow White but the other princess well, you can't technically call her a princess. She's not a princess. I've got a big Snow White tattoo on one thigh. And on the other, I'm just about to have an Alice. Oh, <laughs> incredible. But she's because, not a princess. So. No, she's a princess in our eyes. Um, mm. But you're quite correct. Um, now, I'm going to share a little story with you. Snow White was the first film I saw at the cinema. Aww. And I can barely remember it. Uh, apparently I got scared like you did and I, I think I <laughs> fell asleep before the end because I must have been about four but you know what people don't understand nowadays um, well not ourselves included obviously but the uh, the younger generation is that for us we couldn't just watch Disney films whenever we wanted to um, you know there was no videos or DVDs to be able to watch we could only see Disney films when they showed them on TV, which was normally a few times a year. Um, or if, and this is something Disney did quite a bit, was they re-released them at the cinema. Mm-hmm. So like now you've got things like Disney Plus where you can just almost watch any Disney film you can you can think of. Mm. Well, my kids grew up sort of getting the Disney video from the shelf, mm. putting it on. Well, I never had that exposure, so there are massive gaps in my viewing history of Disney films because I never saw them at the cinema. But I kind of rectified that by buying the DVDs, the VHS, the Blu-rays. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 so weird. You know, we're, we're in a very lucky time now where, you know, if you want to watch Sleep Music, you can, as you say, pull it off the shelf or, you know, access it via streaming. But we just never had that luxury. If we wanted to see a Disney film, we had to wait for it to be re-released. It was uh, it was quite incredible. But, uh, mm. yes, obviously, you know, um, you know, my favourite um, Disney film like that is Alice, and hence my daughter being called Alice. And thankfully, um, she also shares that love of the film. So that was quite lucky, really. We could have really backfired in our faces. Um <laughs> But um, we're here today because you've recently taken a trip to Disneyland and it's one Disney park I've never visited. It's obviously the one I think most Disney fans want to visit at some point because it is Walt's Park and it Mm -hmm. was the first one. Um, 
but this is somewhere that you have started to go to quite a lot that's right it, it's become to me my local park five thousand miles away <laughs> so where did your disney journey begin when it come it came to theme parks was it did you start at Disneyland Paris or was Walt Disney World the first Disney park that you went to? 2010, the then boyfriend took me, the three children, to Walt Disney World. We stayed in the Dolphin of the Swan and Dolphin Hotel. We yep. stayed for three weeks. We probably paid three times as much as I would ever dream of paying for a Disney holiday. Now we got completely ripped off. Um and it developed from there. And we got into this habit of going every summer holidays for two weeks. And then that went on for about three years. I hadn't been to Paris at this point. Mm. And then I just got invited over to Disneyland in California through podcast friends. Because I'd started the podcast and I'd made friends with people from different parts of the US. And they also did podcasts. And they said, look, come out. So I got on the planes because from where I live in the UK, I needed to get a plane down to London and then an 11 hour plane over to LAX. And that hit it off. And in that one year, I did three trips to Disneyland because I just fell in love. And I think now I've had an annual pass for three years. I've been to Disneyland on, I think, 11 or 12 separate trips. Um, and in the meantime, I've been back to Walt Disney World, I've done Disney Cruise, and I've also finally developed a bit of a liking of Disneyland Paris. <laughs> it's, um, it can be, Disneyland Paris can be a hard part to love for a lot of people. Um, I think it really depends on, well, I, I think it massively depends actually on experience while you've been there, mm. because I have seen so many horror stories of people that have, have gone over there even for the first time or you know maybe their 10th time it doesn't matter but um it's you seem to hear more negative things or more negative experiences there than i would say in any other park but until my last trip um when i went last at the end of um last year for halloween i'd never really had any major issues and to be honest even my, my major issue then wasn't awful um but i know that it, it can be um, quite a, a trying place to go at times. So I can understand why it's taken a while for that to kind of filter through. Um, but Disneyland, I mean, it's incredible for you to go that amount of times in such a short space. And for me, I think you, you've had the advantage of knowing people over there because Disneyland isn't actually a an easy holiday to book unless you know what you're doing. It's so challenging because you've got to think about the flights, then the park tickets. You can't go into the Disney store and buy California park tickets. It's just, you just can't. You've got to go to the website and buy them, but you can only buy up to five days. Well, you know, being from the UK, when you're spending such a lot of money on a flight, you really do need to try and you know, I'm not going to just go to Disneyland for five days. I'm going to want maybe 10 days, 11 days. And then the price starts getting up to the price point at about 15 days where you kind of need an annual pass. So then it sort of justifies a second or third trip in the year. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it is a tricky park. Pass, 
Yeah, if you bought the pass, you might as well use it, right? That's the uh, thought process. That's the argument I've got with booking three trips for this year. And when I eventually tell the husband I've booked a third trip, he'll find out. Let's hope it's not via this uh, this podcast coming out that he hears that then. Just don't tell him you're not you're on this episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you go into travel agents and mm-hmm. say you want to book a trip to Disney, they will, you know, ask you France or America. But True. they will, you know, if they if you say America, they will say, oh, Orlando. They mm-hmm. never talk about California because, it, and it seems to have always been the case, but... They just don't like you booking trips to California. It's always seemed a bit more of a locals park. Mm. People describe it as such. And I get it in, the, you know, obviously Walt Disney World has, you know, all these different parks. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's just a massive piece of land with all of these things to do that you could quite easily, you know, land there, get straight in there and not leave property for three weeks um disneyland obviously isn't up to that size and scale but it still surprises me that they don't try and you know have holiday packages to that destination as well um whenever i've tried to do it and i've not tried to do it for a while but when i did try and do it you know they would try and tag it in with all of these other bits and and pieces as well so it's almost like a road trip rather than a trip to disneyland Hmm. and as you've hit the word on your head locals a lot of people will go for a couple of hours after work or go and have something to eat or go meet a friend or just go and ride an attraction. There actually has been people going in the morning trying to get the boarding pass for the Star Wars attraction, not getting it and leaving. Right. Because it's a locals pack. They can do that. And a lot of my friends follow that. They'll just go for a couple of hours on a Saturday or nip down and buy the new spirit jersey and... (laughs) There's no need to promote it to other people because with the people that have already got annual passes there, it's overcrowded and it does hit capacity, particularly at popular seasons of the year, quite a lot. And you can feel quite cramped in the park. Okay, so you would say that it's, in your experience at least, it's been busier there than you've experienced at other Disney parks? It can be, but... When, as I say, when I go, I go for a longer period of time. So if something's busy, I just don't bother and I come back and do it a different time. Yeah. So I've got the luxury of time, if you like. So if, if an area looks crowded, I won't bother going. Now, a lot of people can get a bit intimidated about taking solo trips. I don't know if that's anxiety about being alone for a period of time or if that's just because of, you know, fear of judgment of somebody being alone and I know that you're not alone when you're when you're there because as you say Mm. you've got your your friends around you but um, you know do you have any kind of tips or advice for anyone that might be making a solo trip that's putting it off firstly make sure there's some entertainment on your phone to keep you busy while you're on the flight whether it's your phone ipad whatever just in case the in-flight entertainment is subpar because i've been on some airlines and you've got the latest blockbusters and it's great and you can keep yourself entertained and this food and this drink and it's brilliant but i've been on some airlines where the food has been inedible there's been a problem with the in-flight video entertainment system and you're on your own and that's quite difficult and also 
this is me from being a worrier point of view. Is it safe to leave my bag on the floor where I've been sat when I go to the toilet? Because there's nobody there to look after it. Would mm. the person next to me just delve in my bag? Because there's nobody around to sort of challenge, really. So there are a few things I sort of consciously think about when I do travel alone and making sure that I do have important things never far from my person. Um when I get to the park, oh, sorry, when I get to the airport, I try and get one of my friends to meet me rather than going on a shuttle. Mm -hmm. I tend to stay in the hotels on an area that I know. I don't like staying in a hotel that I'm not familiar with. So at Christmas, I went on a website called Priceline and I did something a bit wacky and you can ch choose a deal with them and it'll give you three hotels and it could be any one of those threes, but the prices are a little bit less. But I knew all three hotels. So I booked with them and that was on the main walkway. And I just, it doesn't bother me walking up and down South Harbour Boulevard at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, because it's always busy. It's very well lit and I don't feel any anxiety but if he ever did, it's $8 in a taxi. So I use Uber and Lyft. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think they are particularly good services, you know, for those occasions. So we use them quite a lot when we were in Orlando ourselves last year. So um, that is a, that's a, a really good um, tip actually. Mm. But um, you know, I know you spend a lot of time with friends there, but do you ever get any kind of time by yourself? Because, this, and this is just, you know, me feeling like this, but I actually really like sometimes just being alone somewhere like that where I don't have to worry about what somebody else wants to do. It's a bit selfish of me, I, I get it, but I can just kind of take things in at my own pace and just go and do whatever I want when I want. Do you ever get to have those moments? Oh, absolutely. The trip I had planned at Christmas didn't come off as it was supposed to. I was supposed to be sharing with one of my American girlfriends and she was going to share the room with me, but it transpired she was only going to stay for four of the, I think, nine nights I was there. So to be honest, it, I loved those five nights on my own because I didn't set the alarm clock and I got up and went to the park when I wanted and I was able to suit myself on where I ate, what I rode. And if I wanted to talk to somebody, there's always cast members or the people in line. The minute they hear your, your English accent, the Americans just go, oh my word, you're so cute, your accent, you're something. And that is great because if you just want someone to chat to for a few minutes, you've got it. And another weird thing with California is you're wandering around, you'll have so many more people saying, oh, what a cute outfit, cute ears, cute this. And... I don't really get that when I go to Walt Disney World or Paris. No, I think, I mean, I, I think that's just down to the, the local people. You know, mm. when you are talking about Paris or, or Orlando, you have a mixture of, you know, you obviously still get locals that go to those parts as well. But I mean, especially Paris, there's the potential language barrier. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of puts people off a bit. Um, but also you've got a whole huge kind of mix of different cultures and different ways of doing things. And I'd say the same really with Walt Disney World. Like I think sometimes people are just um, not quite as open. I mean, mm. 
you know, we, we talk about the, the north-south divide in, in England. You know, if you're in London, no one really talks to anybody. You know, you kind of keep <laughs> your head down and you kind of you, you kind of do your thing. I used to live near London. I moved further out into Essex. And I remember the first time I went um, into the town centre to shop and I was queuing up in a, in a supermarket. No one in front of me started talking to me. And I was, and I was talking back and I'm, but in my head, I'm thinking, this is so weird. Why is this happening? And you realize because, you know, depending on where you are, people do just do things in different ways. And I love where I live now because you do get the odd bit of small talk and it does seem a bit more friendly. And it's really nice that you get, or or you found that experience at Disneyland. Mm. But with regards to being on your own, there's so many benefits because you can use single rider lines and Mm -hmm. get on attractions a lot quicker. Quite often you're in line, single rider, single rider. If there's no single rider line, you'll get on the attraction a lot quicker. You can do everything you want and be selfish. If you want to sit down for 20 minutes and just do nothing, you've got nobody looking at you, moaning and complaining. Oh, I want to get off and do this. I want to do that. You can, it, it just is wonderful. And sometimes I just love wandering around the park with a snack and just, not even riding attractions mm, just taking it all in there's so yeah. much to take in isn't there um yeah I did, I did a similar thing when i went to disneyland paris last year with a group of friends i just said um look you know i just need to go and have some alone time i'll meet you back at four o'clock here or you know whatever it was and that was it i just went off i just thought i just i just need a bit of time and th- that's what i did i just i didn't really go on attractions i just paid attention to, to the things that I wouldn't necessarily paid attention to and just mm. just took in the details because with all of, of the parts, it's not just exclusive to any of them, but all of the parts, there's so many little details and things they try and make so perfect that if you're just kind of walking through trying to get to attractions, you don't always notice. True. But if you want company as well, with social media, you hop on a Facebook Live and you've instantly got people saying, oh, wow, can you take us to see the castle? Can we do that? And and instantly you've got a group of people with you. So you never do feel alone if you are alone. And if you want time on your own, there's so much you can be doing. So let's look at this trip in particular. So when did you actually fly out to California? Okay, so I did a family Christmas before I went and I decided to fly out on Christmas Eve. Past trips, I've tried to get there um, actually for Christmas Eve, so flown on the 23rd. But this trip I couldn't because of family reasons and whatever. So there was a downside because with it being Christmas, Santa Claus doesn't appear after Christmas Eve. Mm. So I wasn't able to meet Santa, but never mind. So I flew out Christmas Eve, got there quite late in the evening. So basically it was to the hotel. Um, The hotel was amazing. Um, The Anaheim Marriott, oh my word, a beautiful hotel. Stunning. And I was talking to the guy at check-in and he said, oh, you're here on your own. I said, yeah, it's been a tough year. My dad passed away uh, beginning of the month and this, that and the other and he was lovely. And he came over to see me because I was waiting in the lobby for to sort my luggage out. And he said, would you mind? Do you drink alcohol? Could I send a bottle of wine to your room to help you and welcome you to the Anaheim Marriott? And I said, 
yeah, I'm not going to turn down free wine. Yeah, sure, <laughs> of course I drink alcohol. So went and unpacked and then he sent up two appetizers from the room service menu and a bottle of wine to welcome me to the hotel. And I just thought, what a beautiful touch and an amazing way to start my holiday. Absolutely. Things like hearing stories like that just kind of reaffirm your faith in, in people. Do you know what I mean? Like that he didn't need to do that. He could have heard your story and, you know, said, I really sorry to hear that. Enjoy your stay. And, and that would have been it. And you would have thought nothing of it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But to go that extra, that extra mile just means a lot. And I didn't say it because of any wanting any freebies or anything like that. It was just, you know, he'd noticed I looked a bit melancholy and I was a little bit sad because I'd been sort of on traveling over from the airport on my own. And I was sort of, you know, things on my mind and whatever. That was brilliant. And that was really thoughtful of him. So, Mm. but yeah, due to the time difference, we've got an eight hour time difference from the UK to California. I was up like half past five in the morning Mm. and I'd made myself a Disney Christmas gingerbread outfit. And I was ready to go to the park at six o'clock. I was so excited. And how was it when you got there? Like, because I mean, I imagine Christmas Day in America is not the same as the UK. You know, most people Christmas Day are locked in with family and don't really go out anywhere at all. Whilst in America, I feel that it's it's almost the opposite of that. Yeah, it was. It's super strange when I was walking up to go to the park, going past shops that were open, and mm. I was able to go in and buy milk and water or whatever I wanted which was bizarre um that morning Disneyland opened I believe at 7 a.m and DCA opened at 8. There wasn't a great deal going on in Disneyland but we was able to get a coffee take some pictures I obviously had to go pick up my annual pass which I'd ordered online prior so I had to go to a ticket booth and have my picture taken and we just wandered around the park um And then one big thing that Disneyland does that none of the other parks do is the candy cane. And they make 60 a day on the run up to Christmas Day. They are fresh, handmade in the candy shop, either in Disneyland or DCA. And once the park opens, they start giving out um, wristbands for them, if you want them. And literally by five past opening time, they've all gone because they are that amazing can you imagine you know you're looking at something what 30 30 plus centimeters fresh made candy cane they are amazing so I thought oh well I'll get into DCA for eight o'clock and I'll go get my candy cane and the lady was just packing up the line and she said oh sorry the last wristband has gone and I was like oh man I'm up you know I'm so upset oh well never mind and then this guy just walked past me with his partner and he said oh did you want a candy cane that a wristband I said well yeah but they've all gone he says look we got to have mine and I was like really I was like oh so he gave me his wristband which I got back later and picked up my candy cane I gave him a little I always take like bags of sweets and UK candy because they love curly whirlies and crunchies and things like that. So I gave him that. And um, Christmas morning was really amazing in the park because it was fairly quiet till about lunchtime-ish. 
So I was able to go and hit some attractions. But the Christmas day, I booked to do the Christmas day tour. And this is an exclusive tour that runs from when they start dressing the park for Christmas twice a day. And it basically takes you around and explains the story of Christmas in a Disney viewpoint. So links to stories about Walt Disney and him at Christmas and the family and why the Imagineers have dressed this window this way and looking at the Christmas trees and then obviously looking at a couple of attractions that you ride, which obviously it's got to be the Haunted Mansion and it's a small world. We had a Christmas treat at the candy store and then you get seating for the parade with hot chocolate in a reusable mug and a Mickey gingerbread cookie. So just to match your outfit, basically. Absolutely. It was gingerbread <laughs> overload. And that's why I've made the outfit, to be quite honest. And, it, you know, it's, it's a pricey tour, but it's a really good way of getting on those attractions on Christmas Day, seeing the parade up close and personal, because it meant... I didn't have to queue for two hours because another big difference with Disneyland over Walt Disney World and Paris is people will stake out a place for a parade or a fireworks show, you know, hours in advance. I've seen it on busy days like New Year's Eve, people getting in the park at nine o'clock and sitting there all day. Oh, my God. <sighs> yeah. So they, they do take their parades and fireworks really, really to heart. But because the park was easy, they use a system called MaxPass. I was able to utilise MaxPass and get on so many attractions. And yeah, we, it was sorry. great. Yeah, we, we've talked about MaxPass before, actually, because I think, uh, and I, I've not used it, but certainly looking at how it works and, and you know what it gives you and everything like that, it seems like a much better system than what we get in Paris or and I, I mean Paris has got a version of Max Pass in some ways but it's mm -hmm. nowhere near as good or as cost effective um but I, I think it's certainly better than the Magic Plus that we get in Walt Disney World. The only downside for being an international traveller is that you are reliant on park wi-fi yes and that is a major disadvantage because you don't know where you're going to get good service. Well, I ended up by about day four having about five key parts of the park where I knew the Wi-Fi was absolutely cracking. And that's where I'd go and stand and catch up with messages or do my max pass. But it is, it is a disadvantage for us. But as I say, with my annual pass, it came free. And I was really able to hammer them in and get you know on lots of attractions because of it and it's so much easier than going and getting a ticket from the ticket machine or scheduling something 60 80 whatever days out mm. yeah right. it definitely does seem to be a, a better system and it includes the photo pass as well doesn't it it does indeed and another fun thing that I was able to do because intermittently I'd bump into people I knew and if I had like a max pass return time nine times out of ten the cast member would accommodate me and let my friend come on with me even though they didn't have a max pass oh that's nice that was nice yeah. so you mentioned uh, the haunted mansion there and you mentioned it's a small world mm -hmm. there are two attractions that they obviously do up for christmas and you know for me 
I don't really mind. It's a small world, you know, and it is, it is what it is. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've been a, a massive Nightmare Before Christmas fan since 1994. So for me, you know, going to be able to do the Haunted Mansion holiday is a bucket list kind of attraction for me. It is amazing. And when you get into the ballroom scene and the waft of gingerbread hits you and then you're going and then there's the hat box ghost and it is brilliant. It is an amazing overlay and it is slightly tweaked every year. Obviously, there's a different gingerbread sort of cake on the middle of the ballroom table. I love it. it it's a great makeover. It's a lot of fun. You can wait quite a long time for it, up to two hours. Mm-hmm. And the fast passes can go quite quickly. But I've been quite savvy. I tend to go fairly early in the morning and get two rides in consecutively. And you don't normally have to wait very long for that. Excellent. There are um, there are rumours it's coming to Paris, but... Uh... <gasps> If only. I mean, I, I hear this. Uh, it's, it's, it picked up some speed again recently, but until they actually announce it, um, you know, I don't want to put too much on it. But do they um, do they do any other holiday makeovers for rides there? Because I, you know, obviously they've got the Jungle Cruise. Do they do the Jingle Cruise there, or is that just a Florida they, thing? They did for a couple of years, and then the last couple of years, it's not been done. So I don't really know what happened about that. The rest of the park is pretty much trimmed up for Christmas. So there are elements that are more Christmassy than others. Or like, for example, around New Orleans Square, it's all Mardi Gras beaded up rather than Christmas. Mm-hmm. And obviously over in Galaxy's Edge, there wasn't Christmas. No, no. Nor was there any Life Day celebrations, which, you know, just missing the point of being in Star Wars, if you ask me. Um, yeah. But did you... Because obviously this would be the first trip you've had since Galaxy's Edge has, has opened. That's right, yes. Yeah. I missed out in Walt Disney World when I was there in the summer because I it was too soon. Mm. Um, I like Star Wars. I've watched the films. I am not what I would call an obsessive fan. No. But I can line up pretty much the characters and tell you where they're from, that kind of thing. Yeah. And my friend walked us in and started doing things on his phone to make the environment interact with us, which I thought was really cool. There's some set areas where characters from the films will come out, not necessarily perform to you, but interact with you, which Mm -hmm. I thought was really nicely done. You can't believe the expanse and space. You know, Disneyland is quite a small park in comparison but it feels so spacious back there. It really, really does. Everything is beautifully themed. There's a few areas that grate on me a little bit, but apart from that, it's like, oh my word, Disney have made this land to last because the amount of concrete and brickwork and solidity to it is outstanding. Oh yeah, that it's not going anywhere soon, is it? Let's let's be honest. No. Um, but I'm interested, so what... what parts of it didn't really work for you um in one of the eateries um went and had a look in and i think it was the big counter service place and for the life of docking bay seven Mm -hmm. and it's beautifully themed it really really is but over in a corner there's these plastic 
animals hanging down and crates of plastic ice with plastic and fish. And mm. it just, it just didn't look right. It was, it just made me think of the rubber chicken from Spitting Image. It just, it just did not fit in. It looked like it had been, oh, what can we put over here? And they made it in the afternoon with the kids from the preschool. It just, it just let it down a little bit. It took me out of the theming. Mm. And the same bit in Ronta's Roaster's Place, there's this great big um, robot-esque creature pedalling round the barbecue spine for the roast meats. But the roast meats look cheap plastic meat. It just doesn't look right. Now, I'm not saying they get a real hunk of cow and put it on, but it just, it wasn't as effective as the amazing animatronic robot yeah yeah no i i i agree with you um it, it was some of the things that i'd noticed as well um the for me and obviously i've not seen the disneyland version so i can only speak about this mm. version um the the disney world version but there were parts of the land where it felt like there was open space but there was nothing to fill it um, and that kind of had graced on me a little bit. And so when I first walked in there, I was like, there's nothing here. It was mm. only kind of, as you walked towards the back, everything kind of opened up and it was like, oh, okay, now I understand the hype of it. But um, I think it's making that transition and also giving them the space to enable them to have the characters, you know, R2-D2s coming out, etc., and have the space for them to manoeuvre because it was a confined area. They wouldn't be able to provide that. Did you get a chance to go into the cantina at all? I didn't. I didn't bother with booking any um, reservations. I kind of had a bit of a debate in my head whether I actually go in there or whether I wait until the summer trip with my husband because he is a big Star Wars fan but I I thought well I'll go and see the land and go on the attraction but then I'll save the canteen a bit for him so that it's something that we can enjoy together but I went in the shops and rode the attraction the attraction was not too Final point, I wasn't impressed by it. So what position did you have? I was a gunner, which kind of made sense because in the Army Cadet Force, I'm in the Royal Artillery. So I kind of (laughs) had to laugh at that. But basically I was on the second row. Mm. I couldn't really see out of the screen very well. And the button kept flashing for me to press to obviously bomb something. It got to the point where I just held my hand over it and looked out of the screen. Yeah, I we went on it twice when when me and Paul went in in um, September, mm-hmm. and we were engineers both times. And the first time was was actually quite enjoyable, even though you was an engineer. The second time was awful because the people that were piloting uh, the ship didn't know what they were doing, and so you just spent the whole time being crashed, bouncing around in your seat, but. I my biggest problem with it is the location of the buttons. If they were on the seats in front of you rather than on the wall, you would be able to spend your time looking at the screen. Mm. I mean, when you're the engineer, you have to almost stare at the wall because you've got a whole series of buttons you've got to press and the order changes every time. So 
you've really got to be staring at the wall for 90 percent of the of the attraction to do it properly and that just doesn't seem fun to me i think mm-hmm. it's been poorly designed in that regard and i'll appreciate it i think more when they and i mean they've not said they're going to do this but it, it makes sense to me to have some ships where it's automated yeah and you can just sit and experience it rather than having to interact with it because i just don't think it, it works as well as it should do do you know what my biggest problem was was when i was going into the queue not having experienced it before was the pressure I got from the other two people who was in our boarding group. Right, have you done this before? This is what you need to do. You need to do this. You need... And she was like giving right. me a... And it's like, whoa, I yeah. want to be able to enjoy this and experience it. But before I'd even gone into the room and sat down, she was like pressurising me where I said, you know what you're doing, this is what you got to do. And it was like, she should have been talking to the pilot because the guy, seriously, I'm surprised he didn't have a Labrador and a white cane with him because he had no idea what he was doing. That's, that's what I mean. Like, and that it really does change your experience depending on who you go on with and, and then how the, the ride goes. Um, just think it's a, a really, it's a clever idea that's been executed quite poorly. Um, mm. At least it got rise to resistance. So there is that to look forward to later True. on. True. But um, so, I mean, obviously, Disneyland has some attractions that you don't get in other Disney parks. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask you about a few of them, because I'm sure even if you didn't go on them this trip, you've, you've gone on them previously. Sure. Um, so Indiana Jones Adventure. Yes. Um, if you've ever ridden Dinosaur, it's the same track, but completely different. It's totally enveloped in the world of Indiana Jones. The queue is amazing. It really is. It, it's just so themed. It's probably, in my opinion, one of the better themed queues you can have in a theme park. I'm not a massive fan of the attraction unless I'm on the front row because on the back I don't feel you see it as much and sometimes on the back you get very jostled in the big vehicle. It's a very popular ride. You can stand by, come go up to three hours. And that's not even on a busy day. Fast passes go really quickly. So if you're going to go to Disneyland, get that Max Pass locked in and ride it. I didn't ride it this trip. As I say, it's not a fan favourite of mine, but most of Californian locals do love it for some reason. And fair play, it is a good attraction, but just not for me. Yeah, which is... is course fair enough um roger rabbit's cartoon spin (laughs) this is such a lot of fun but i will tell you one thing my friend never go standby for this attraction because it may say 10 minutes outside it will not be 10 minutes outside i will tell you that i've been conned so many times by thinking oh it's only 15 minutes let's go in the standby and i've been there 45 oh my god it's an attraction you need to get your max pass for or a fast pass because seriously, if you've got a fast pass, you literally walk straight on. And yeah, there is a nice bit of theming as you're wandering around the back streets of everything. And that is cool. But is it worth 45 minutes of my life? No. No. Fair enough. Um, Snow White Scary Adventures. Now, I've been on the, the Paris version of this, but is it quite a similar attraction or are there differences well it's it's literally um 
getting refurbed and I believe it's going to have some of the touches from the Alice in Wonderland ride that has been put in a couple of years back with some projection and things like that mm. maybe a tweakage of the end to make it as less scary so I'm really excited about that I just love going on it and it's great that this attraction still lands in Disneyland and you know I love it it's great and there's also Pinocchio Village House there as well Yes, yes. We still um, have Mr. Toad. Yeah, that's still there, isn't it? Yeah. And obviously, as you mentioned, Alice in Wonderland, which I think it's the only park that has an Alice ride. Like, you know, we've got two parks that have mazes mm-hmm. around Alice in Wonderland, but I think this is the only park that's got an actual dark ride. Yeah, and it's a really good one because t- two-thirds of the way through the ride, you go out to the actual theme park and we've timed it so perfectly not by chance but you know it just happened and the christmas parade was coming past with santa on his float so it was really good but you get great views into Fantasyland, and it's a really cute dark ride yeah it it looks it i've seen some videos obviously and uh it does look like a really well done one so i can't wait to see it at some point um was there anything else in Disneyland? Matterhorn Mountain. Yes, of course, Matterhorn. There's I know that's Matterhorn. a bone shaker. It can be, but do you know what? I really like it, but if you're going to go ride it, make sure you ride it daytime and night, because at night it just is so beautiful seeing the park lit up on an evening. Yeah. Um, and there are two different, slightly different attractions within it, because it has a Fantasyland queue and a Tomorrowland queue, so again, slight differences because there's two tracks running at the same time. There's also Finding Nemo, the submarine journey. Yes. Which is cute. It's a really nice one. And the good thing about this is there is a disabled element for it. So if you can't cope with going in the submarine or if, you know, so perhaps you have claustrophobia or you're in a wheelchair, there is a room that you can go sit in. It's quite a spacious room and it plays the entire journey on a big screen and it is brilliant. That is really good to know. Like I've never heard of that before and I think that's that's a really wonderful thing to do because, you know, quite often you do, you know, one of the biggest complaints when they build new attractions is that because of how the the ride is going to be that not everybody is going to be able to ride it for various reasons and so okay you don't get the the entire experience it but you still get a lot of what they're doing with the ride that you obviously wouldn't have had the chance to have seen otherwise so i think it's a really nice thing to do actually yeah one year i was there with a bad knee so i used it then and then another year i took my son and he has autism and the confined space of the submarine would have been too much for him and he got to see it then and it was brilliant. But unless you know it's there, you won't know. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not really well known, if you know what I mean. There's not signs saying alternate attraction or anything like that. Yeah. Where else is there that's different in Disneyland Park? I'm just trying to think. I don't think there is much. I mean, obviously there, there are variations. So mm. you know, the... the uh, Small World, for example, obviously has Disney characters that have been um, Mary Blairized. I don't think that's 
really doing it justice but they're made to kind of look similar to the designs of the the small world characters aren't they yeah and they don't glare don't fit at all they fit perfectly and another thing i think once you've been to california and you go back to walt disney world you just think where's the glitter just especially at christmas it's just totally the most amazing blinged up dazzling lights brilliant and this year they brought something new in for it's a small world at christmas they had three different scents being pumped in at particular parts so i think we had gingerbread we had oh gosh we had peppermint and we had another one and i've totally forgotten what that was i'll let you off so that was good and then you haven't even started on what's new over at dca well no so i mean i know it's not new but um guardians of the galaxy is one of the more controversial um kind of overlays that they've done um i know it's not an overlay it's a replacement to to the tower of terror but um you know i know you like the tower of terror how do you enjoy that in comparison to the tower of terror when i heard they were going to mutilate my much beloved tower i was furious and particularly so for a film i'm not that fond of i have actually watched it a couple of times but it's not a film that i would ever say i enjoy mm-hmm. but then i wrote it and oh my word this is the most amazing attraction to say that they've built onto an existing classic and not started from scratch it is immersive it's The story is sensational. You don't have to have even watched the film to understand it. And it is the most amazing attraction ever. I love it. There are six different songs. And on this trip, I managed to get the sixth song. So I've heard them all now. (laughs) I think on one day I wrote it five times. Yeah, it was five times consecutively because it was quiet and I was able to get a couple of max passes that followed on effectively. And I've even been walked off the attraction when it stopped this last trip as well. But I love it. I I just, if there's one ride now that says to me, I have to go on at Disneyland and I would choose that one straight away because... It's just so much fun, and every ride's going to be different. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know it changes um, because of the the way that they've kind of reimagined the attraction, and the, the Disneyland Paris version is of the Tower of Terror is obviously the same design building as mm-hmm. the California one. The only one that's really different is the one that's found over in uh, Hollywood Studios, mm-hmm. and so I'm really hoping because it's going to be right at the start of the marvel expansion in paris that we are going to get this come over to that as well um but yeah i mean i've got to be honest like i was a fan of the guardians of the galaxy but when they announced they were doing this i was like how is this even going to work and then you actually watch it in action and you go that's actually quite genius how you've done that um i think you've done a really really good job with it and it i mean it almost works better than the original theme i think in some ways we've had it done it I think it's more relevant as well because mm. the Tower of Terror, I love the Walt Disney version. I've always loved the Walt Disney version better anyway. Mm. And I think that has to stay as it is. But yes. there are people going on that attraction that don't know what Twilight Zone is or have any clue about it. Whereas mm. this is bang up to date. It's relevant. It's now. 
and absolutely fantastic attraction great photo opportunity on it as well um and it's i can't wait for the rest of the marvel area in dca to open but while we're talking of non-disney but now disney properties they also took over california screaming and improved it into the incredicoaster yes i was going to talk to you about pixar here because again this is an area that i know a lot of people were kind of feeling a little bit sad about when they announced they were going to be changing it up so um and and i've again i've seen videos of this i've not been able to to go and experience it but the incredicoaster i think is really looks really unique and obviously you can correct me here in the they've like most roller roller coasters i find aren't really well themed like have you ever done the hulk at universal i have and i mean it's a it's a good coaster right but Mm -hmm. there's you know what's the theme of it green that the hulk roars that's really it that's your theme for a roller coaster but with this there are little show scenes and you Mm. see the characters as you're going around the track it's it's just fantastic and this is disney marketing at its best because there is the tunnel part that you go that's covered and you get the smell of this cookie the cookie num num and at the end of the ride you can go buy a cookie num num (laughs) and it's like disney marketing at the best because you smell it on the ride and you're oh i could just eat a chocolate chip cookie and there it is at the end it's just brilliant but yeah there are little bits and i'm not going to spoil it for anybody at all Mm. but little bits that you have to go on several times to get the real sight of it and you've got to do it daytime and nighttime because in the tunnel part the lighting comes up and really pops and you also get to see elements of dca lit up on a night but during the daytime it's just as amazing because you can see for miles because you're so high up and um, what about, did you get manage to get to see World of Colour while you were there or because of the season it wasn't on? World of Colour had a special Christmas version and I trekked a couple of my Californian friends to the dessert party. Mm-hmm. So I did that on Boxing Day because, you know, nobody in Disneyland celebrates Boxing Day. I find it no. really freaking and I keep getting the comments, it's all about hitting people, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's about servants giving people boxes, going back to their families. And basically, I always do something special with them. So we thought, yeah, we will go and have a dessert party, $84, two alcoholic drinks a plate of desserts, cheese and grapes, and the most ava- amazing view of the show. Like my friends are locals, and they said in all their years of going to the park, they had never seen World of Colour so clearly. So they loved it. Excellent. Well, I mean, it sounds like you had a bit of a whirlwind trip. You know, it wasn't a particularly long trip for mm-hmm. you. Um, you know, obviously you had to go back to work after the Christmas break and I would say the worst thing for anyone that's not been to that side of America, for me certainly, it is the worst jet lag I've ever experienced. To be honest, this trip wasn't as horrific as it has been on past trips. Past trips, it's taken me like three, four months to get back into the habit. But I think I've found myself now as a little routine. I got back, I set off to the airport at half past three the afternoon Mm. And I got back to my local airport the following day at quarter past five. 
and I try and bat it out as late as I physically can and go to bed about one, two o'clock in the morning. And then normally that sort of resets me. And I try as much as I can to take one of those nice American tablets that make you feel a bit sleepy to get some sleep on the plane. Yes. Yeah. If you can, I never do. And I regret it because I don't sleep well on planes. So I might get a little bit of sleep, but not as much as I would benefit me at least anyway. So I missed another plus of being a single traveler. Mm. Quite frequently you get bumped up to the next class of cabin because Mm. they need your seat because I tend to book my seats in advance so I know where I'm sitting because I like to sit in the middle section but on the aisle so that I can get in and out to the bathroom if need be but also and this is me being a bit scammy basically if you like I know that families travel in threes and fours and they all want to sit together in that middle bit and to move me they have to upgrade me so on the journey outward I got bumped up to premium economy it didn't work on the way back but I've had upgrades to club club class to premium quite a few times and it does happen because you're just that one awkward person sat in that one seat yeah yeah that's good though that is that is not a bad tip to have um I'll, then, I'll try and bear that in mind next time I go alone <laughs> yeah and then the next thing you've not even touched on Nick which we need to hang our head in shame the food well, I mean, there was just so much to talk about, but yes, I, I think we do need to address the food situation as well. Cool. The food and alcohol choices in the parks are sensational. You cannot go to Disneyland without trying the Monte Cristo sandwich, which I can basically describe as ham, turkey and cheese in sourdough, dipped in donut batter, deep fried covered in icing sugar served with strawberry or fruit jam on the side it is the most amazing thing never ever get one to yourself unless you are built like the hulk always (laughs) share it because i normally have one piece and i'm done and you get four they do the amazing gumbo there which is rice and spicy like a soup with chicken and sausage and it's perfect New Orleans flavour in a bowl and it's $6. That's amazing. At DCA, they tend to have some sort of food festival on every week, but this because they're dealing to a locals market, they change things up so much and they're getting a lot of really good quality themed food and beverage and people are just going nuts for it. I've seen people queue 45 minutes for an eclair. An eclair? An eclair. It's like, what? I go past Greg's and there's a queue of two minutes. I walk past. The things people do for food. Absolutely. So there are some amazing things, some fantastic restaurants. We had afternoon tea at Steakhouse 55, which is a restaurant in the Disneyland Hotel. I highly recommend you have a meal there, particularly breakfast, which is fantastic. But it is white linen, photos of Walt on the wall, dark woods it's so beautiful a really gorgeous restaurant and the food is amazing like literally you can spend days just wandering around the disneyland hotel and the grand californian and just chillaxing in their their areas their lobbies their bars etc 
Yeah, because I mean, that is the other thing with, you know, get, get, you know, kind of bring this back full circle when we said about not kind of encouraging people in the UK to, to book Disneyland is that, hmm. you know, unlike other Disney parks, because of how they built Disneyland and the land they got and everything like that, there's only two on-site hotels. So most people will be looking to stay just off property because there's lots of hotels just around the outside of Disneyland that you can stay in. Um, yeah. rather than pay for the more deluxe Disney hotels. And the price as well. You're looking anywhere upwards of $500 a night for Grand Californian or Disneyland Hotel. Had yeah. There is Paradise Pier Hotel, which is a, a good 10 to 15 minutes walk away, which I've been in and looked around at Christmas and things. It's very nice, but I personally wouldn't choose to stay there because one, You've got Disneyland Hotel, which is iconic, or you've got Grand Californian, which is literally entry straight into DCA from the theme park. And I think that is the big difference between Walt Disney World and Disneyland is that you can hop from Disneyland to DCA within minutes and you can go and visit the hotels by walking. They're all in a very close proximity, which you can't do at Walt Disney World. No, I mean, I think, you know, my first part was Disneyland Paris. So, again, you would just walk out of Disneyland Park and mm. into the studios within a few minutes. And then going to, to Disney World and realising that everything is at least a, a 10 to 15 minute bus journey because of how spaced out everything is just kind of blew my mind. I just didn't even consider that, you know, everything would be so far away from each other because the land's so big that it's built on. Um, and so another yeah. good thing about Disneyland is it does feel more more close because it is mm. it literally is close so you know you can easily park hop which you can't obviously do when you're you're at the world yeah you can go into disneyland go on an attraction there get a max pass for dca hop over to dca go on that fancy lunch in disneyland go downtown disney get a coffee from the starbucks there rather than waiting in the park go back to dca you can hop between the parks several times in a day without a worry or you can just, what we like to do is go grab ourselves a coffee, take it over to the Grand Californian and just sit in their lobby and have a little afternoon nap there because it's so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I mean and it, that's the thing as well. I think sometimes it's good just to kind of get that escape from outside of the parks mm. as well. So you're still in the bubble. You're still in, you know, the Disney way of doing things, but without the kind of hustle and bustle of being in, you know one of the, the busiest theme parks in the world yeah um another thing people always ask me about going to disneyland is how many days they should get mm. if you want to have a good visit and be able to experience everything at a reasonable pace i would go with five days there are though other things you can do in the area that are amazing you know you can go over to waltz barn that's open two sundays a month you can go over to one of Walt's favourite restaurants, which was the Tamashanta, and have prime rib there, which is amazing. I've been over to Walt's grave at Forest Lawn Cemetery. Not for everybody, but you can also go and see the Griffiths Park Merry-Go-Land Ride, where Walt had the inspiration for building Disneyland. This Universal Hollywood, which I did a VVIP tour of the backstage area there 
another great place to visit. So there are other things you can do and you can e easily hop over to places like San Diego. You can drive up through Yosemite to San, Di to San Francisco. You can go to Santa Monica to see the start or finish point of Route 66. So you can fit in Disneyland into a bigger holiday if you wish. Oh, Island of Cruise, Vegas, baby, Vegas. You know, well, not that far course, away either. Of course, that's only a short hop and a jump over the way. And they have an amazing Disneyland out outlet store there as well. So I've been told. Didn't get to, <laughs> didn't get to go on my trip, but I've uh, I missed out on that one. It was uh, oh. a bit far from where we were staying. Um, we could talk for hours, and sure. I, hopefully I'm going to be able to entice you on to our Universal show to talk about the VBIP trip you had mm. at Hollywood. Um, but before we go, um, I just wanted you to have this chance to be able to tell people where they can find you. Right, well, I host a podcast called The Disney Dream Girls with a good friend of mine called Jane Phipps. And together we're just a couple of British girls who absolutely adore travelling to the Disney theme parks. Between us, we've been to Paris, Walt Disney World and Disneyland each, and sometimes together. And we just talk about the food, the attractions. We get amazing guests we've had recently, Jim Carcass, Len Tester, you know, um, Seth Kabuski came on the show last week talking about Universal. We just enthuse Disney, but we're not going to tell you everything's amazing. We are going to be taking off our rose-tinted glasses, if you say, and be quite honest about what we love and what we don't in a fun, jokey way. So you can find us anywhere and everywhere, Disney Dream Girls. Yes, and of course, um, now part of the Art Network. And Absolutely. really... The perfect kind of fit for us because you know that is our kind of mandate on this show and on previous shows is that you know we love disney we wouldn't do it if we didn't mm. all enjoy it we all put hours into recording these shows and hours into editing and getting guests and and you know just trying to broaden our knowledge but we also appreciate that that doesn't give them a free pass that everything they do is perfect and you know talking about uh, smugglers run earlier you know neither of us were saying how amazing it was because our experiences have not been uh, maybe as positive as, as others and that's just what it is so i think there's something to be said about being honest and open with our listeners and i hope that we we do that on our shows and um if you've never listened to it before i mean you've been doing disney dream girls now for six years five I've years i've done this i think five years before that it was the mini minxes so i've been podcasting about eight years because we literally started two weeks after this after dark yes yeah yeah so yeah just coming up to eight years so um yeah we you know, have both been doing it a long time far longer than i think any either of us probably realized we would be doing it for <laughs> but, yeah. but it's been enjoyable <laughs> like you said you know one of the one of the good things is that we have made friends doing this um, I mean, obviously, we made friends with each other, but you know, I'm thinking of uh, people like Lewis and Cat with uh, Diz Down Under. Um, Absolutely, you know, we've all got great friendships with those guys um, because of meeting through podcasting. So there's definitely something to be said about podcasting. And it's not just podcast hosts we've all become friends with. No. I've had the opportunity, particularly this trip, to meet up with people who listen to the show. And a lot of the people who now listen to the show are personal friends, like 
for example, I got married in Walt Disney World um, in August and the two witnesses I had were people I met through Disney. I met Jane, who is now the co-host of the Disney Dream Girls, because she listened to the Mini Minxes with her husband. Right. So my life has been so enriched by doing this podcast. And you're right, it does take a lot of time out of it. And I know we both have our own Patreon channels, but we don't do it to get money. We do it to share the love and also to get messages from people saying, oh my word, you were so right telling me to go to that restaurant and try that meal, Michelle. It was brilliant. Thank you. That's why we do it. Yeah, the one the one for me is, um, we've had a couple of times this happen now, is that uh, people have said that listening to podcasts that we do has um, has helped them through like dark periods. Mm. And there, there are times when you think, God, I put so much, so much effort into this. Is it worth it? I know, you know, we can see people listen because you see download statistics and whatever, but you think, you know, should I keep doing this? And then you get an email like that or a message on Facebook, you know, saying that you've had a positive impact on someone's life. You think, actually, yeah, that's that's really why it's worth it because it's not just for your enjoyment, but if it's actually bringing enjoyment to other people, this silly little thing that you do as a hobby, that you know, that's incredible. So, um, yeah. I suppose we'll all carry on. But Michelle, for now at least, thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely sort out for you to return at some point in the near future. Thank you ever so much. It's been an absolute joy. And thank you for giving me the honour of kicking off this new new enterprise for the Disaster Dark Network. So thank you very much, Michelle, for being the first guest on the new podcast. It's really appreciated. And um, it, just in case you didn't get the message, Disney Dream Girls is now part of the After Dark Podcast Network. And so you can hear Michelle every Sunday Uh, with a new episode with her friend Jane. And I just want to take this opportunity to thank our newest Patreons, uh, Alison Quinn and Chris Schofield as well. Thank you so much for your support. Um, I hope you enjoy the uh, special episodes that are now available to you. And um, just everybody else that's ever supported us on Patreon, uh, Breaking Dad, Colin, uh, Danny Wells, Dave Peloso, uh, David Elliott, Jane and Steve, Jonathan, Lewis, uh, F- Phil Edwards, Rob Bliss, Simon Isbell, Sinead Riley, Stephen Lynn, Todd Garrett, Tom and Tracy. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, it really is appreciated by all of us here at the network. So thank you very much. Uh, that is the first episode in the can of Disney Parks and Beyond. So thank you for listening. Um, please share with your friends. If you haven't already, give us an iTunes review or a review on your App Store choice. It's really appreciated. And we'll see you in two weeks for a brand new episode. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.